Thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland. In an effort to educate the public on the importance of our agency and why we exist, on this episode of Roots and Wings, we're taking a trip back in time to 1988 when the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth was established. Uh, Mr. McAfee, you're recognized on amendment number one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As most of you know, it was uh, recommended by both the Juvenile Justice Commission and Children, uh, Tennessee Children's Services Commission that those two commissions be merged into one unit. Uh, there was some problems with the number of members on the board as it relates to those people who are primarily interested and uh, related to and concerned about children's services, uh, that they might be overshadowed by members who were more in tune with juvenile justice. So the amendment that was agreed to by the subcommittee increases the number of the board, the new board, which will be merged into the, uh, well, I don't know the correct title, Karen, it's uh, Children, Commission on Children and Youth. Okay, that will be the title. Uh, the amendment increases the number on that board from 15 to 21. Motion has been made to adopt amendment number one to House Bill number 1604. We have a second. Any discussion? Question has been called for on amendment number one to House Bill number 1604. All in favor, vote aye. aye. All opposed, you adopt amendment number one to House Bill 1604. Back on the House bill is amended, Mr. Chairman King. That was an audio file from members of the Tennessee House making a recommendation to merge the Children's Services Commission and the Juvenile Justice Commission. That merge would lead to an amendment to a sunset bill of one of those agencies establishing the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. At the time, Bill Purcell was a new member of the Tennessee House of Representatives and went on to become the House Majority Leader and Chair of the Select Committee on Children and Youth until 1990. Many listeners may know his name well, as he was later elected to serve as the fifth mayor of Nashville and Davidson County. Bill Purcell joins me now. Bill, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. Thank you, John Quill. You served as a member of the Tennessee House of Representatives for a decade from 1986 to 1996. Can you discuss specifically what your work focused on? Well, in the 1980s, there was an increasing reliance on state governments, state legislatures, governors, uh, to meet the policy needs of our day and time. So as I arrived in the Capitol, there was a heightened level of expectation, I think, by everyone in state government that the challenges we were facing as a state and as a nation were going to be in front of us there. That meant as a new young legislator, Everything was at least uh, in front of me, and much of it was on the table for discussion. My personal interest had been and was throughout that time and and beyond uh, in youth policy particularly. I'd been a lawyer practicing in that area. Uh, as Even as a law student, I had worked in our uh, juvenile detention and uh, and. Uh, uh, treatment facilities here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, and so I arrived with a, with a broad set of, uh, I suppose, obligations, but a specific interest in children and families. The Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth was established in 1998. Can you help us understand what the legislator was thinking at that time? 
Well, let me start back a couple of decades, uh, perhaps earlier. Uh, in the 1970s, there was an increasing sense in this country, and I think across the country, that what we were doing, particularly in the area of juvenile justice, was not meeting the needs of our children, and in fact, in many ways, was counterproductive. Uh, in the 70s, there began to be money available for states uh, to, to explore not only policy options, but to understand better what they were doing and, and not doing well. Uh, in the 1980s, Governor Alexander came in and was supportive of these efforts. It was during his time as governor that it was first discovered that we were the worst in America for the incarceration of children uh, in adult jails, uh, which was a particular concern of all child advocates and, frankly, of, of the national government at that time. A group called the Institute of Children's Resources came in uh, and turned that around. We went from worst in America to best in America, meaning we put fewer kids in adult jails than the rest of the states of America during that time uh, with the help of Governor Alexander and his administration. In 1986, uh, the legislature convened Southern legislators. All of the Southern states were invited. Our legislature hosted a Southern legislative conference on children and youth called Building a Legacy for Families. And in that year, 1986, the year before I arrived at the legislature, a high level of consensus uh, developed within the legislature that we needed to do different, we needed to do better, and we needed to do it quickly. So in 1987, as I arrived in the legislature, so in 1987, as I arrived in the legislature as a new freshman member from here in Nashville, uh, the legislature was in the process of creating its first ever select joint committee on children and youth. This was a legislative initiative to bring together members of the House and Senate from both parties, from all regions, for the purpose of taking up these very issues. That select joint committee on children and youth was a critical component of building consensus within the legislature about the need for change. During that same time period, we also began to receive reports from the state government, from the Comptroller's Office, about the way in which our current programs were operating. We had in the state of Tennessee uh, a Juvenile Justice Commission. We also had a Children's Services Commission. These had been created at different times for different purposes. One was focused very much on delinquency. This was especially important because during this time, children and adults both came under the jurisdiction of the Tennessee Department of Corrections. So if a juvenile court judge placed you into state custody for a juvenile delinquency violation, you went to the State Department of Corrections, the same place that the most violent and, and uh, incorrigible uh, individuals in our state would be placed, housed separately, but managed basically by the same, the same department. The Children's Services Commission had been created separately, and its focus was on dependent and neglected children, those not in that juvenile justice system. But the result of that, and the Comptroller's report made this clear, was that we had siloed systems. We had beds and programs that varied widely, not just urban and rural, but frankly, in every region of the state, juvenile court judges found themselves highly limited by the beds and the treatment programs that were available. And we understood then that there was a high level of dissatisfaction, not just in a comptroller's report, but among the players, the people who cared, the people who were involved in our systems in Tennessee, that something different and something better should be done. And so with that new consensus between the House and Senate, uh, the notion that these two bodies should be combined into one new body 
became not only uh, a, uh, a bill, but ultimately uh, a matter of great bipartisan support, ultimately unanimous support uh, in the houses uh, of our legislature. In that year, 1988, uh, we did two critical things as a legislature. We did, in fact, through a legislative process, use a sunset bill that's a technical approach to this, but basically we allowed one commission to go out of business and merged the two together in that process. It doesn't matter how we did it. The bottom line was a bill that went through the committees and went through the committees, uh, and you heard a little bit of the legislative uh, discussion a moment ago, with an increased understanding across both bodies that we needed to do something better for our children, but more importantly, something focused that brought everyone together to think about all children and all families and what they needed. As a result, in 1988, we had two major transformative changes in the state on the legislative side. We came forward uh, with the uh, notion that we should have a uh, new Department of Youth Development with the strong support of the executive branch uh, and agreement between members of both of these bodies. We determined there should be a new commission on children and youth. And honestly, I don't remember anything that passed more easily than that ultimately. They came together as legislators Again, across party lines, junior members like me, others that had been there for many decades, uh, no partisan concern whatsoever, uh, and approved the creation of this new commission, went on to create in the following year a new Department of Youth Development, and we moved forward as a state to a position of leadership in the caring and concern and policies for our children, our youth, and our families. When you think about uh issues or challenges that impact children and families and the policies and the bills that are put forth, it's uh, to think about, it's a bit of a breath of fresh air, for lack of better words, thinking about how bipartisan it was, how easily things were negotiated between members of opposing parties. Uh, I feel, especially now in this political climate, that can easily be forgotten of where we kind of began or how things go. Well, there are obviously many things that people and parties can disagree about. But then, and I hope and believe now, one of the things we can't, shouldn't, and ought not disagree about is what's best for children and what's best for families. And I think once the focus was there, there was no question in the minds of legislators, again, of all stripes, uh, that basic policies with evidence-based solutions would ultimately be better than what we were doing, which we could see with our own eyes was not succeeding. And I think today the same possibilities are there. Uh, I will say that the select committee process was uniquely successful because it brought us together in and out of session. We traveled to states like Utah, which at that time was a leader in new and better approaches to, to children's policy, especially in the area of juvenile justice. May not be a state that... Uh, you would think of in that way. Missouri was another example that we, as a committee, traveled to, saw what they were doing, realized they were doing better than us and better than most anybody else, built that consensus out of session and came back into session with uh, the committee itself, always chaired by, uh, again, a diverse set of representatives, leaders in both parties, in both houses. Uh, and when those bills came to the floor, the commission being, uh, frankly, Exhibit A, the new Department of Youth Development, Exhibit B, and all of the policies that followed, whether it was family preservation and the other policies, which again put us in a position of leadership, you could look into the chamber and know 
that it was going to pass, and when it passed, it would pass overwhelmingly, because people knew that we had evidence, we had research, and ultimately we also had the support of the rest of the state, the people who were the players, critical support from the governor and the administration, support as well from the juvenile court judges, but also everyone else involved, law enforcement, advocates, uh, lawyers broadly, medical providers, the faith community. They were all in the room in the Commission on Children and Youth. They were present for the hearings before the legislature. And when we were done, these policies were, were policies that we had all seen, touched, understood, and approved. Why was it important to establish a unique and independent state agency? Well, first of all, it's important, this history, because it reminds us that we have tried it different ways. And we found those ways did not provide what we needed, were not successful ultimately. This is the approach that came from that, again, history and evidence, if you will, but ultimately has resulted governor after governor, administration after administration, decade now after decade, uh, in that kind of agreement about policies that we think our children deserve. And I think we all feel that way. I really do. That about these things, we ought to reach agreement and then we ought to move forward. Uh, this commission provides that place, again, for the widest variety of people. You can call them stakeholders, but they are really both experts and interested parties who have been around this issue. The law enforcement uh, uh, voices and representatives who are dealing with children on the streets of their cities, towns, and counties. Uh, the judge that are having to deal with, with the results of uh, both our failures and hopefully our successes. Uh, these are people who know what they're talking about. But to also put advocates and others in the room who need to hear the voices of the others means that when the executive branch gets a recommendation or the legislative branch gets a recommendation or receives the data that they so need, we go into the process knowing these are people who know, people who care, people we trust, people who are here for the right reasons, chosen by the governor and ultimately responsible to the whole big state. That's a process that has, uh, again, lots of history to it, but more importantly, I think, a lot of evidence. How do you think this agency and state can do better to serve children and families in Tennessee? Well, first and foremost, I think uh, you need to keep doing what you're doing right now. Communication is at the heart of what I just described. Communication between everyone involved in this issue in the state. Communication with those who are elected to represent the people of the state. Communication with our governor and the, and the administration and the departments that are impacted. Departments have critical roles to play, but they're focused on what's right in front of them now and the policies that they have in place now. It's a, it is a much greater challenge to also then simultaneously hear the other voices and the other practices. It's not that it can't be done, it's just that it's so much easier and ultimately there's much greater consensus when you have all those voices in places that we know can be successful and they reach agreement, consensus, hopefully agreement for sure, uh, about what we should do next. Uh, and so communicating constantly, consistently, in a trustworthy and trusted way uh, is at the core, I think, of success in all of this. Uh, it's not easy today. People get news from all kinds of places. The, 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 the newspapers of yesteryear are no more. There are good news, lots of ways to hear, but more complicated because it's hard to speak to a whole state at the same time and have them hear you. Even harder sometimes for them to understand. 
But that just means you have to work extra hard at it. It just means you have to stay at it. Uh, and you have to understand who all of these interested parties are, but more importantly, all of these children are. And as long as you stay focused on that and keep communicating broadly with the evidence that is by and large at the core of this Commission on Children and Youth, and no other group has collected as much data over such a long period of time and consistently reported in a way that's unquestioned, if that information keeps moving, ultimately, the people that care about our children and care about our families uh, will know what to do. And my hope and belief is, because historically we have, we will do that. Well said, Bill. Um, and thank you again for so much for such a wonderful, vast knowledge of the history behind the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. Is there anything that I did not ask that you want to make sure our listeners are aware of or anything else that you'd like to mention or say? Well, in preparation for being here today, I went back to the report of the Select Committee on Children and Youth during my last year as chairman. And as I was reviewing that report, I was reminded that I began with a foreword that said this, in Ecclesiastes 4.13, it is written, better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king. This is a committee that is from its beginning understood the admonition and the heed to take action on behalf of the children of Tennessee. It must always be so. That's what I hoped in 1996. And that's what I will always hope for Tennessee. Well said, Bill. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Roots and Wings. I'm John Paul Newland.